informed a bunch of my scientific learning while I was in the Southeast, because that's real deer biology there. I mean, you, you know, it's not that, as you know, thousands of acres of corn and soybean fields, you got to dig in, do some real, real work down there. Tuning back in to Southeast Whitetail. I'm Mark Haslam, and today on the line, I've got Jacob Barnes, and we are going to continue the the series on, on Southern hunting culture. Uh, Jacob's going to talk about uh, growing up in the South and hunting and and what he looks forward to every year. So without further ado, let's get right in with uh, Jacob Barnes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back with Southeast Whitetail. Thanks for listening. I have on the line today, Jacob Barnes. Jacob, thanks for thanks for joining me. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. I'm glad you um, reached out when I put the feelers out about trying to you know talk to some various people around the South, how they hunt, where they're from, and you know certain traditions. So, can you tell us where you're where you're from and where you live now? Yeah, um, originally from uh, Collington County, South Carolina. Um, just uh, just south of the Earhart, um, small town there, and um, currently reside in uh, Watkinsville, Georgia, um, about five, ten miles south of Athens. That's a nice area. I mean, I, Collinson County, I mean, isn't that – I mean, that's one of the better counties in the state for deer hunting, right? Yeah, yeah, extremely diverse um, across the whitetail landscape. I mean, the – the wildlife landscape, excuse me, but, but especially, uh, rich deer hunting tradition there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how did you, how, uh, well, I guess just start off by saying how, how long have you been hunting? My earliest memories are probably, I'm 28 now. So I probably went, went, uh, out in the woods and, and in the fields, um, probably starting age four or five, um, First with dove hunting, but but probably earliest deer hunting memory, probably around age six or seven. Um, dad uh, decided that he was brave enough to to open that can and uh, introduce me to the, the deer stand in Whitetail Woods. And since then, did it did it did you uh, drift off a little bit from the woods, or did you or did you just did, did it just light a fire in you? Yeah, it's it's been. Uh, a, a very big passion of growing um and never have drifted away uh, uh definitely uh something that uh, i take pride in trying to make time for that's nice yeah i just um i've, I've taken my two kids that are six and three a, a, a couple times in the previous years on, on the deer stand but I've, I've never taken a gun and 
this year I've taken a little bit more and actually shot uh, a deer with my son to stand. And it's like, it, yeah, I mean, like, it's like once, um, he, he's only three, but it's like, he wants to go. In fact, I took him Friday and like, he, he had a little toy shotgun that made noise, which a friend of mine brought. And I didn't realize that I didn't think about, but having that toy gun is actually probably pretty good to help teach firearm safety, you know, kind of learn it there. But when that first deer came out, he genuinely, he genuinely wanted to shoot it and thought he could. So I had to explain to him that like, you know, you can't shoot it either with your gun or my gun, but it just, he's, uh, he's definitely, definitely got the bug at least it does right now so do you do any hunting right now like where you are in, in you know uh in georgia yeah yeah recently uh i was in the i was in a tree uh sunday night uh, okay so well, I, good. I, I, I try to find time uh, what it, what are some major differences that you that that you whether it's other hunters or landscape or the deer herd, the deer movement that you, that, that you see from where you are around Watkinsville to, to where you grew up hunting in Collinson County, South Carolina? Yeah. Um, great question. Uh, one of the biggest first things is I don't own any land here. Um, in Collinson County, I grew up with uh, access to some leased land and, um, you know, multi-generational private property, um, access was not a concern, um, had more opportunity than I had time, um, more places to go than I had time. Um, now, um, I've been in this area for about six years and, um, I, one of the regrets I have is the first three or two or three years, I, I didn't seek it out. I didn't talk to people. I didn't, um, you know, knock on any doors and didn't access public land. Um, so I had a couple of years there where I was primarily hunting back home, so to speak, and not yeah. here locally, but um, pandemic hit and I had more time and I started um, connecting with people and seeking out some WMA public land and then also um, small track private land. So I got access right now and the properties are 45 20 and five acre tracks so they're it's it just a there's a very different landscape from hunting uh smaller private properties that uh compared to how i grew up with you know just larger access yeah yeah it definitely sounds like it so how did you are you hunt hunting the same style method that you did growing up i mean were you did you used to run dogs, you know, back in South Carolina or is it while still hunting or is it, is it, um, sure. You know, um, mobile or what, what's your kind of go-to methods? It, yeah. The, the game has changed for me, uh, growing up, um, ladder stands, tripod stands, box stands, you know, my dad and I would get a new idea. And, oh, we need to put a stand here. Or, we need to move this one there, but, but everything was kind of permanent, uh, still mm -hmm. hunting. A hundred percent. Think back in the seventies and eighties and nineties. Um, my dad and, and his brother and such were in some clubs and ran some dogs, but um, just not something I've ever really experienced. And they transitioned out of that when I came along. So um, yeah, primarily rifle. A hundred percent rifle hunting um, as a as a youth and growing up through high school, middle school, and such. Um, and uh, in 2020, when I started hunting in Georgia, 
Um, I got a compound bow and um, bought uh, a lock on with sticks um, and did that for two seasons. And this past summer bought a climber. Um, and uh, so smaller properties, you know, just not the, not the food plot, you know, you're not sitting over a three acre, five acre food plot when your property is only five or 10 acres big. So um, the, the, the game has changed. I've had to learn and, um, and make some rookie mistakes along the way, but the, the tactics have definitely changed for me in the past three years. And I would imagine, I mean, this is a question, but I would imagine that, you know, you've, you've made some mistakes, but then you, but then you've become a better hunter of the past three years. Right. I mean, you know, ha having to hunt mobily, not on food source, you're probably, you know, learning the patterns better. I just know that I, when I got off, I, I made a pretty big switch going back to really about that 2015 season. I, I started, I started to hunt a lot more mobily you know, off the food plots, off destination food sources. And that's when I really started to kind of begin to learn, you know, how the deer move and how they used the farm. But before then, I mean, you know, when you send a food plot, you don't really know. You're just kind of waiting for something to show up. Um, so have you, you feel like you've, you know, learned and kind of advanced as a hunter in the past three years, a lot more than you maybe you did if you were to say, like, let's say if you were in South Carolina the past three years? Hey, absolutely. Well, without question. Um, you know, learning what in the world a persimmon tree looks like and yeah. <laughs> what time of the year those drop and those fruit. And um, yes, uh, a resounding yes, as far as uh, woodsmanship and habitat and paying attention and yeah, so if you when you hunt in the woods, it's definitely different from you know, sitting at a destination food plot and knowing, well, hey, they usually come from this way. Well, you know, you get in the habitat and in the woods and, um, you know, when you're on a food plot, you, everything's a shooting lane. Um, not so much in a climber or lock on. Um, so, yes. Yeah, it, it, it's... Um it's amazing what you can see when you're in the woods, um, maybe in between food plots, maybe in, in, you know, or, you know, in between, uh, bedding sites, you just, um, um, especially like this time of year. I mean, I, I'll, it, it's pretty interesting because when we have people up to hunt our farm, you know, a lot of people, we might have five, six hunters on permanent stands on food plots or ag fields or, you know, uh, fire break type hunting. And then you have guys hunting mobily at a climbers and usually the ones that see more deer are the ones hunting mobily, especially bucks, especially mature bucks. When you get into like November, um, that's just when they see it. So as far as traditions, do you, do, do you have any, 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 any hunting type traditions that um, maybe around Thanksgiving, Christmas, or, or, you know, or really throughout the season? I mean, is there anything that you um, do sure. with your family or friends? Um, you know, boy, South Carolina and that, that lower part, Collin County area, you get that August 15th kickoff there. And um, even even in college, you know, before I graduated college and all, I moved over to Georgia. Um, I, I made a tradition of not going on August 15th um, just because of, the, the, the environment, the heat, the, the gnats, uh, the mosquitoes, everything else. So I've, I've kept that tradition alive. Um, I'm not starting out so super, super early there, but 
Um, just not a, a tremendously strong this or that tradition. Um, I, I remember as a kid, uh, sometimes the processor would be closed on, on Thanksgiving morning or day. So um, that turned into, well, we can't go, you know, get a deer, but, but let's go squirrel hunt. Um, so I remember that with my dad um, in my younger years. And, um, but yeah, just um, it, especially around the holidays, uh, having time off from high school sports or uh, going to Clemson years ago, coming back, uh, you know, specifically and making a priority to try to hunt uh, deer and, and dove around Thanksgiving for sure. And, and then if, uh, if we got another opportunity around Christmas, um, the, the last uh, buck that I killed um, was on Christmas uh, night. So that's a, a good memory. Um, not peak rut by any means on the 25th of December, but um, I did luck up and uh, harvest my biggest to date on Christmas one year. So that's a good, good memory, but, um, just be, and don't have siblings. So not a huge family gathering for hunting, but, um, definitely, uh, having, um, having a lot of time around the farm that I grew up on and, and trying to get in the woods, uh, around the holidays, uh, definitely happened in my past and, um, even moving on a little bit away, uh, try to keep that going now. Yeah. Nice. What can you tell us about the about the buck you killed on uh, Christmas day? Yeah. Um, so I, I was hunting, um, a permanent stand that, that's still there, uh, was there for years. Um, it was, uh, out, it was in 2014. So it's, it's been too long. Um, but December of 2014 and, uh, yeah, processor just happened to be open on Christmas day. Um, we, we called ahead and, Hey, could I go? And, um, my mom's parents were down and, um, her dad ended up passing a year or so later, but, um, grandfather and grandmother were down, uh, for the holiday there. And, um, it was not super cold. It wasn't, uh, in the deep South here, we've got, uh, no guarantee on cold weather when it comes to the, the holidays. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but it might've been 50, 55. I mean, it was, it was a good, it wasn't hot, but, but it wasn't frigid. Um, and I was on a, uh, a, we call it a watershed ditch, but it's a, uh, it's a really deep ditch that helps drain agricultural fields and such in the area. And really it was a habitat transition. Um, and so it's just long lanes, like 300, 350 yards, a rifle situation only. And, um, to the left, um, on the left side of the ditch, which the stand was on was mature pine um 30 40 50 year old at the time um a lot of understory just a lot of cover a lot of bedding in there and then um you've got this 15 20 foot wide um lane that we would mow with the bush hog um and then uh, it transitioned right into younger pine that had been clear cut before and probably was six or eight years old and just super thick in there and getting to where the canopy was closing a little bit um and yeah, two, two bucks came out, um, right at, right at about 125 yards crossing between those two habitat features and, uh, and never really, uh, saw the buck. I saw him broadside and made a clean shot, thankfully, but, um, yeah, he dropped, um, as soon as he stepped out and, uh, 
you know, got down to him, realized, uh, you know, hey, this is a 12, 13 point buck. He's got split brow tines matching. Um, so it was, uh, it's quite the Christmas uh, surprise, I guess you'd say. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome hunt, um, especially on Christmas Day. Um, you yeah. mentioned the weather, um, and, and and that's absolutely true. I mean, there's there's Thanksgivings and Christmases where we're in, in shorts with AC on, or it could be cold. There's no telling. Do do you um, when you when you're looking to hunt deer down here? Do you do you decide when and how to hunt based on weather conditions or anything else? You know, weather related, the moon, uh, temperatures, or anything. Or are you just kind of go when you can go? I mean, I me, I just I go when I can go. Um, you know, the only time I might not go if I if I can. I might pull pull out from hunting is maybe if it's just like a torrential downpour. If that's the case, I might not go. But do you do you look do you make decisions when and how to hunt based on weather weather related conditions? Yeah, um, yeah, primarily yes. Um, I'll you know if there's any uh, you know younger folks out there listening like myself as you um, you know fill up your calendar with work or career. Or, spouse or pets or you mark you talking about your young kids um i'm not in uh that reality just yet but um living uh about three hours away from from that south carolina property um when i'm there i go um now uh when it's uh you know when i've got more uh when it's more convenient years ago um, or even here in Georgia now, uh, I will kind of be more, I'll be picky, uh, to a degree, um, yeah. high winds, a lot of rainfall. Yeah. That I, I'm definitely probably, uh, back at the house on the couch, but, um, you know, cold, warm wind out of the wrong direction. Uh, you know, when do you get to go once a week? Um, because you've negotiated with the wife, um, you know, you, you go, so it depends, but, but yeah, I do, I do try to consult the weather just to, to make sure I can, you know, have those odds as best in my favor as they can be. Yeah. I, 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 I try to, I pay attention to some, but I just right now with, with having young kids and my wife works and just busy, I just, um, I mean, I, it used to be, I, I would pick and choose, you know, some weekends, but now it's, I mean, a lot of my weekend type hunts, I, I've got a plan in advance. So, whatever the weather's doing is what it's doing. I mean, you know, I, I, I can't move the weekend because it's hot or cold or whatever it is. So what else do you, are you, are you primarily white tails or do you spend some time on the water for ducks or turkeys or quail or anything else you do? Yeah. Um, thankfully been able to, um, and been blessed to, to experience a variety of, of wildlife pursuits, but, um, whitetail is very, very big. And, uh, for me, and, and there's just something that's been abundant, thankfully. Um, uh, I guess following that would be, um, wild turkey. Um, definitely haven't, um, harvested near as many turkeys as deer, but, um, had a had a few uh successes and, and just meaningful hunts and pursuing 
um, pursuing the turkey bird there. Um, and dove, um, my dad is, is very, uh, very passionate and had a, had a dove uh, field for a number of years. We enjoy that. Um, and I've never cut a feather with ducks. Um, just we don't have a pond and um, never really had uh, a boat either. Um, so water access has been limiting in that regard. Uh, would like to um, have, have, have gone here and there uh, infrequently. Um, but uh, the big three for me would be uh, deer, turkey, and dove. Um, and you can throw in a, a little bit of squirrel hunting here and there and, and some release quail to, to see some dogs work occasionally. Um, but that, that'd be the primary for me. Yeah, uh, that's very, very similar to me. I, I used to do a little bit more duck hunting back in the day, but I just, I've kind of gotten to where I don't really duck hunt until after our deer season's over January 1st. It just, I mean, I, I like ducks, but I like deer better. So I'd rather, I'd rather hunt them first, you know, and then pick up the deer. I mean, pick up the ducks after after the 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 season's over so um what so what do you give any goals the rest of uh rest of the season here yeah um i have uh i don't know how attainable this one's gonna be but um living uh and again you know if this is somebody out there listening i'd highly recommend um staying plugged in even when you're um, a, a couple hours at least away from, uh, you know, one of your main accesses. Um, I've got one cell camera that I've run for a couple years now. And, um, you know, folks can have differing opinions, which is fine on, on cameras and having that intel without being there on the ground. But um, another conversation for sure. Um, I've got a buck that I've been chasing a little bit. Um, got a couple of history couple years uh, of the same side of this antler that I've picked up um, on, on that home farm. So uh, I'm not sure if he'll show uh, when I get back uh, around Christmas later this year, but um, we're definitely going to gonna try to get out there and see if I can um, chase him down. It's kind of cool. He's got um, some split brow tines, which are at least one, which are the same property in the genetic pool possibly that that I harvested this deer back in 14 so um cool to pick up a shed or two on back-to-back -back years and um and then maybe you know have have that same piece of property from that other deer um connected there and in Georgia um I'm just trying to get a deer with the bow I've uh I've had some near misses I've uh I trimmed some hair on the on the top and the bottom in years past um haven't been able to go as much this year, but um, I'm just trying to get that uh, that first bucker doe in the uh, in the bed of the truck um, over here in Georgia to, to get that monkey off my back. Yeah, I, I'm. Um, I can imagine uh, that's probably you know a challenge hunting 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 public land. I, I my only experience hunting public land was out in Missouri. I I did a couple trips out there, and it it. Um, I didn't grow up hunting public land. I grew up in a hunting club um, for a long time up until we bought the farm. And, uh, you know, a hunting club is, 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 I mean, you know, we always had a sign in sheet and, you know, you, you would use a magnet to kind of, you know, place it on the map, on the aerial map of the property as far as where you're going to be. Um, when I hunted public land a number of times just by myself, solo, it was just, 
there was always that little bit of kind of uneasy feeling about being very close to someone that maybe you didn't realize was there. It, it was only archery season. I could not imagine rifle season out there. Um, but yeah, it was just, um, it was a completely different ball game and I'm, I'm glad I experienced it and I want to get back. It's just, um, it, there's, it's just a whole nother level of, of challenges on public land. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right about that. It's, it's the, the public land access conveniently located to me is, mm-hmm. is fairly, fairly limited. Um, they've got some pretty, you know, a week here, a week there on a couple of the, the WMAs. And then, um, there's, there's one in particular that I've got you know, relative, uh, relatively close, but it's, um, it, it's just a lot of wide open opportunity. And so it's heavily pressured, um, with, which is not, not reason not to go, but, um, thankfully I've got some private access, um, here, uh, within range of the house and the office. So, uh, well, over these next two, three weeks, we'll focus on um, bouncing around those three and, and, and trying to connect. Um, so uh, so we hopefully by the third season of more mobile hunting uh, when we wrap this one up. And the nice thing about Georgia, too, uh, in this area, um, you know, you, bow or gun at this point goes until about January 10th or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so South Carolina season there will wrap up, you know, New Year's Day and all. but. Uh, but um, you can still still catch deer moving um, with a heavy food focus uh, late, late December, early January over this way. So nice to have a, a little bit of extended opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've thought for a long time that Georgia's rifle season should come in a little bit earlier. I think it did like a, maybe about like a week or two, like a week or so this year. Um, but it, I think it's around like October 13th, right, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, maybe buck only initially, and uh-huh. then end of October, right around Halloween, they open up uh, for for doe with a gun. Gotcha, yeah. Yeah, that's that's good to have because just, just like what you said, I, I mean, I agree that right about this time, I mean, right about – I mean, we're, you know, early – early mid-December, a lot of our bucks, we start to see them on, you know, destination, like, like food plots. I mean, they're, they're pretty soon, they're going to be out trying to put that weight back on and looking at some of these bucks I've got on camera or the ones I've been seeing lately. I mean, they're just so, I mean, they, they, they are, I should say, I should say they're run down. I mean, you can't see their ribs, but their right. gut, I mean, it's like they have that athletic, cut that like a bird dog would have you know where from their chest there's a sharp diagonal cut going back to their uh you know let their hindquarters the hams where normally that'd be the guts hang you know like a big gut hanging down where it'd be kind of you know it should be you know that bottom chest belly should be kind of parallel or dip down to the ground but now it's like cut up like a you know bird dog so there, yeah, we, we, I've had some luck over the years in, in December on some, on some, on some food sources, but it's just tough because I mean, these deer, I mean, you know, you, you've got the pressure from the hunters like you and me, and then you have, which I, I think about ever so often, you, you've got the actual deer itself. I mean, the does, 
you know, a lot of the does already, you know, already have fawns to begin with. So they have like a doe group. They're in a doe group where they're raising fawns. And then they, they start to go in their heat cycle, but they're not receptive. And then every, every young buck's chasing them around when they're not receptive and they're not willing. And then they do come into, into you know, they do become receptive. They do want to breed at that point. And then they're breeding and then they have, they still have fawns or trying to, they're trying to raise and the bucks are just, I mean, I think about how long these bucks, especially, I don't know what kind of deer density y'all have. I, I would think it's very high like ours around, around where I am, but our deer density is so high that a lot of our buck to ratio is just way out of whack in a, a lot of the counties where I'm around. So that means that there's more does and the does aren't being, being bred. All of them aren't being bred the first heat cycle. So these bucks are just running harder, longer, as opposed to like out in the Midwest, you know, I, that's not my wheelhouse, but their density is a little bit lower and their butt to their ratio is a little bit tighter to one to one. So the rut's shorter, you know, it's shorter. The bucks are chasing shorter than the right. South, man. They, 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 these bucks are running around for a lot longer period of time because there's more does and heat, you know, constantly coming to heat. And then you get this, some of the, some of the fawns that if these fawns reach 65 pounds, according to biologists, they're hit, hitting their first heat cycle about late November. So it's just, uh, it's a lot that I guess I'm rambling on. There's just a lot that our deer go through every year between hunters and then their natural, you know, biology makeup that they do every single year. So it's yeah. just, um, it's a yeah. lot, you know, and a lot of pressure, you know, from I, the deer itself and then from the hunters. Absolutely. Um, I was, I was at a ball game recently. Um, and I was showing a, a guy at the tailgate a, a picture of a deer my uh, my dad and I targeted back in August. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I got a February 2022 picture of a bachelor group running through a food plot. And um, I had this this buck was bigger of the racks in the picture, but he um, he was kind of facing the camera. So no broadside couldn't get a good picture of, um, you know, just what kind of weight he had on him and all. And, um so anyway fast forward to august and uh a cow with antlers uh shows up crossing in front of a camera and um I, if this deer was 200 pounds you know he really looked it and um i'm like dad this, this is a mature deer you're gonna have more opportunity than me but if you see this one shoot this one and uh short brow tines wide rack uh mature um but that was like august 20th and, uh, and he harvested the deer successfully November 12th, um, 40 yards from, uh, he, the stand was like 40 yards from where I got that August picture. Um, he got that buck November 12th and uh, he, he tipped the scales at 165. <laughs> so, you know, there's no way that deer weighed, uh, you know, 165 back in August based on the picture. Um, but you're right. I mean, they just, We've, we've got in that area of the low country, just a long, um, and to, because of maybe, a not enough doe harvest, a prolonged, um, rut and, uh, can be beneficial to the hunter, but man, the, the, the does for sure. And, and the bucks, they, uh, they really put themselves through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you're spot on. I mean, a lot of the bucks we shoot, um, in August, they're, 
anywhere from 190 to like 220, you know, pounds. And then right now, just like what you said, they, they could be 165, they could be 160, they could be 175. I mean, they're going to be, their bodies are going to be significantly shrunk, um, shrunk down. So um, well, let's start to wrap this up. I'm going to ask you three questions. I ask every, every guest. There's no right answer. Um, no wrong answer. Uh, the first one is um, if you could give the audience a recommendation for a book or a media content, maybe another podcast or um, maybe like an article based website or magazine or something that you um, would suggest to people, whether it's a book or something just, you know, in the hunting out outdoor space. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot out there <laughs> and, and a lot to choose from. Um, definitely. One of the things um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to call the, the name of the book um, right off, but uh, Joe Hamilton um, with, with quality beer management um, and such, he's he's got a book. Um, Mark, you probably know it. I think it's like Fireside Chats, um, mm -hmm. Fireside Stories, maybe. But um, growing up in that area, South Carolina, and my family being connected to his, um, just a great book about um, you know tales of of pursuit and uh, hunting deer, turkey, and and such. Um, and it that's just fun to kind of like this to just listen and hear um you know almost a, a memoir of sorts uh you know documented stories and and things um that that would be one just from a um you know uh, enjoying the the tales of of a very educated hunter and woodsman um and and then yeah there's just like like your podcast here just um in this age of um people having windshield time and or working remote, um, just finding a good podcast and, um, uh, you know, hearing from others, learning from others. Um, and, and when you get in a situation trying to apply something that might be new or different to you and, um, you know, giving that a try, whether that's your food plot species or your favorite mix or, or even, you know, like a hunting strategy. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, yeah, I've got a copy right here at my desk. Picking it up, fire. It's it's fire pot stories. Um, yeah, he he. Uh, Joe Hamilton is a national treasure. He, um, I've got something planned that I'm hoping to do with him um, pretty soon with Mister Joe. This book I, that that you mentioned, I think it's great. One because no one has mentioned that yet on this podcast as a book recommendation, but two is it's really it's really damn good. Just like what you said. I mean, the beginning part when he talks about introducing the quality deer management um, fundamentals that was born in Texas by out by, by his, by his mentor, Al brothers, when he brought that to South Carolina, brought the ideas and try to convince people back in the eighties to stop to start shooting does, you know, because we had rebounded from the meat market days where you didn't need, you didn't want to shoot does because trying to build the populations back up. Now, at that point, they did get them up, and you do need to at that point need to shoot does. He was telling me, I mean, going to more detail than his book. I mean, it was an uphill battle, and people weren't very receptive, if you can imagine. I mean, there were decades upon decades of people growing up knowing you do not shoot a female deer. 
And then all of a sudden someone comes in town saying, well, you actually do. You know, it's a big, um, it's a, a, quite a big undertaking um, to do that. And you're right. I mean, there's so much good stuff out there. It's amazing. You know, uh, so much free content, YouTube, social, I mean, Instagram, podcast. And there's some really good ones out there. I mean, I, most of the ones I follow are like the legit people, like the biologists, the researchers, the people that are like the data side. That's what I love. Um, all right. Second question is, what is just a go-to favorite wild game dish? It doesn't have to be venison. Maybe it's something you grew up, your parents cooking, a relative, or um, just something where, you know, um, it, it's, you know, you've got plenty of time to cook it. Um, you've got a freezer full of game. You can cook whatever you want to and just something you just look forward to. Sure. Yeah. Um, my culinary talents um, aren't super deep in, in the wildlife realm, um, but uh, early, early fall, um, you know, dove hunt, uh, dove breast with bacon on the grill um is is definitely a must do and, and an entry level dish um i i really love deer burger um it, it's just versatile uh, again um uh, you know you've got your um your back strap and your tenderloin that 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 are that are more on the delicacy side from the white tail but um you know just easy weeknight meals especially with the family um tacos uh spaghetti um, you know, just inter and that's a great way, um, moving from a very rural area into a little bit more of our urban environment. Um, you know, uh, just the deer burger has been a great way to share meals and introduce maybe some not so frequent hunters or some non hunters to, you know, Hey, instead of going to the store tonight, how about let's just go over here to the freezer and, um, and then, you know, that you're well on your way to, to a, a standard spaghetti, so to speak. Um, and, uh, and it's been been more infrequent than I'd like, but um, my mom uh, is, is pretty good with the fried turkey breast or turkey bites, um, but but she's always been quick to warn, um, you know, make sure make sure you don't shoot low or else uh, you'll get shot in, uh, in that breast. So we always, always try to aim for that redhead when we get a chance. <laughs> yes. Um... That's, that's a good way of putting it. It's hard to beat wild turkey breast. I mean, it just um, – it always amazes me when people talk – when, like, hunters, people that turkey hunt, every, every now and then I'll hear someone talk about – kind of allude to, to turkey meat, wild turkey meat not being the greatest. And it's like, you know, I get the legs can be very challenging to cook, but the turkey breast, man, I mean, that is some fine meat. That is some good stuff. And you're right. Um, you know, just keeping it simple with, you know, burgers, spaghetti, stuff like that, tacos. I mean, it's it's a great it's a great way to introduce non-hunters, people that maybe aren't really like, you know, wild about eating venison. They're not really gung-ho about it, but you, you that kind of stuff, chili, spaghetti, no one is able to tell the difference between beef and and, and venison. Um, they, they when you mix it into something, in my opinion. You can't tell, and, it's a, and it's, it's a very good way of people getting over that, that that weird phobia they might have about eating some kind of wild animal that you know didn't come from a, didn't didn't come from a grocery store. 
All right, last question. We'll wrap this up. Is what is something in your opinion that is a uh, a big conservation issue in the South that maybe you know everyone doesn't really know about? Maybe it's not on the forefront, but it should you know something I, I've had people talk about. Uh, you know, CWD or turkeys, and and I had one guy talk about you know uh, the redfish and the snapper. Um, you know, seasons, which have been a hot topic around Georgia, Florida, I think South Carolina too, of the years. But is there something you feel like is a kind of a hot topic or something that really should be on the forefront for people conservation related in the Southeast? Yeah. Instead of like one, one major answer, I might, I'll keep it brief and just, just maybe mention just three quick hitters. Um, The CWD things concerning, um, as a as South Carolina being a state where it, you know, I think officially hasn't been found, love to keep it that way. I know that's an uphill battle. Um, you know, challenging to to really um, you you can prepare and, and look at other states and and you know if and when it is ever found, hopefully that's not a game over for for the whitetail and, and consumption of the meat and such. But just uh, love to see our um scdnr and such just be as proactive as they can if that's um looking at baiting and and um the the providing of supplements or um there's a couple different avenues obviously you know transportation of deer carcass etc um i i think it's just such a valuable game species and important to our state that um like to be as proactive and, and keep pushing on that as we can um the one of the other things that that uh, for me, is is the wild turkey. I know that you know some areas have been um, just extremely blessed with game, and and then from year to year, folks are talking, you know, about all oh, bad hats or uh, the weather or just impacts on the number of birds they're seeing. And um, for me lately, it's been more about the experience than the trigger pull. Um, you, you know, I I've made a decision in my mind that. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to in the very near future, uh, you know, ever shoot two in one sitting. Um, we may have some rules and regs that prevent that for sure. I know, especially the early part of the year, but um, just preserving that that wild bird and making sure that um, that, you know, those gobblers can get around and do what they need to do. And, um, you know, I've kind of taken on a mindset of maybe take one, leave one um, if you're blessed to see multiple birds. and um, you know, I'd rather have, have them gobble for another day, uh, rather hear them gobbling another morning and, instead of getting greedy. So um, I just would encourage folks to, um, you know, uh, you know, prepare for that next hunt and, and leave one for the next time if they can. Um, and, and maybe not tag out. Um, also, yeah. you, you get been blessed with two or one or two in the season. You know, maybe I think it's that third tag possibly. Um, I know 10 years ago, one year, a uh, family member tagged out, got five birds, and, and that was awesome, and that was an achievement, but um, the days of that might be done a little bit, and kind of the last thing is just um, being aware. I think a lot of hardwood timber um, in our region in the low country um, is just a lot of harvesting going on, and, and there's a lot of different factors for that, but, um, you know, as as a, a whitetail hunter, especially just being mindful of, of property transitions and um, acreage that's, that's, you know, clear cut and, and maybe repurposed or 
um, you know, maybe being built for, for some other reason, um, but just kind of being aware and remembering the value that nothing better than a young clear cut that's regrowing and planting pines possibly a regeneration, but, um, you know, the value of, of the swamp and the hardwood bottoms and um, the ecosystem that provides. And uh, you don't get the same benefit to a whitetail out of a, a hundred, a 50 or hundred year old hardwood piece of property than you do out of, you know, something that this may be in pine um, at that age. But, uh, but anyway, just, just, you know, keeping a, keeping an eye on that, making informed decisions and, you know, keeping that hunting opportunity out there and, and doing good for the game. I like that. I do. Yeah. I mean, I, <clears throat> I think you're spot on about the turkeys. Um, and I've been, I've enjoyed more trying to grow the population, you know, work on the turkey habitat, the predators and all that. And that, and I hunt them, but I, I, I'm not, you know, hell bent on filling a tag like I am like a, you know, deer. I mean, like every year I'm, my goal is to, you know, shoot some deer and, you know, fill a buck tag, but you know, turkeys, it's, I'd rather do more burning, you know, and do some habitat work for the turkeys and, and, and you know, and see them and monitor and make sure, you know, and, and try to improve the numbers. But I, but I do like hunting them. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. And once you mentioned what you mentioned about the land and, um, you know, timber and hardwoods and all that, it, it, it's th that, you know, I didn't really, re I, um, the more I've started to do, do these podcasts and talk with people, especially like the biologist, um, it, it's, it's very, eye, it was, became very eye opening for me very quickly about how the South, even though the South is very much rural, that th there's a lot of land. I mean, tons of private land out there, but we have fragmented the land for so long, you know, with, you know, really bad, uh, forestry timber practices and, um, and, and some bad farming practices. And, um, and then you get some areas where you just chop it up, you know, there there's, you know, solar, solar farms are, I haven't really been seeing new ones as much as I did maybe five, eight years ago, they're popping up everywhere, but there's just so much we've chopped the land up and, you know, we've, you know, and, um, and, affect the wildlife you're right and south carolina is such a neat unique uh state you know with all the swamps and wetland systems and that's i mean that is what, what like what you said i mean that's the money that that's that's the primo stuff for wildlife um a lot of it is in south carolina at least well jacob i appreciate you coming on uh where can people find you um Heck, well, if they need some grass seed, um, I'll probably be at the Pennington offices. But, um, but yeah, I'm on. Uh, heck, I guess I got an Instagram page. I'm on Facebook, but, um, but yeah, I'm Clemson fan, Clemson grad, um, and you know, enjoy, enjoy hunting and uh, a little bit of fishing when we get the chance. So, um, yeah, that that's that's kind of my story. But thank you so much for having me on. Um, it was a pleasure. Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on, lending us your time, talking about how, how you hunt, how you grew up, your, your hunting traditions, and good luck rest of the season. Hopefully you can get that, get that buck you're after. Appreciate it. Thanks, sir. All right. Thanks, Jacob.